What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the BAL podcast. I bet you you guys have missed us, uh, as you always do. <laughs> this week, we have an awesome guest with us all the way from down under Australia. You guys probably know who it is, Coach Liz Mills. Coach Liz has been all over Africa, and Africa loves her. And so because Africa loves her, it's only normal that the BAL podcast love her too. So we decided to bring her on. Coach Liz is an Australian basketball coach who began her uh, coaching career in Sydney, Australia, working with junior and senior teams. Um, since 2011, Coach Liz has been a head coach and assistant for men's senior, men's club teams and national teams in Africa. More recently, she was assistant coach for the Cameroon men's national team for the second round of the FIBA 2019 World Cup qualifiers and worked for Rwanda club, um, the Patriots. Uh, we had uh, Pagis here a couple of weeks or months ago, so she coached him. And since 2019, the BAL League East Division qualify, qualification title. So welcome, Coach Liz. Mills, we are so happy that you're here. Thank you for having me. I really love the BAL podcast, so thank you for inviting me on. Yes, awesome. Well, first of all, for those that really don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are and your journey around the continent and what brought you to the continent. So um, I was born in Sydney, Australia, and um, I'm an identical twi twin and in Australia we are obsessed with sport as most people know it's like our religion and so my sister and I grew up playing a number of sports and we started watching the Women's National Basketball League here in Australia and we basically fell in love with the sport watching that and we started playing basketball when we were 15 and started coaching together when we were 16. So we got, we had been coaching other sports prior to that. So it wasn't like, oh, one year of basketball, now we're coaches. <laughs> and so we coached at our club team in Sydney. And when we finished university, we thought, okay, as a, you know, congratulations for finishing uni, let's do an around the world trip. And we ended up in Zambia doing a volunteer program and obviously fell in love with the place. And eventually we both ended up moving there in 2011 and I approached a club team on a pre-season tournament there and kind of the rest is history. I went from coaching club teams in Zambia, working with their national team. I have run the university league in Kenya and worked with Cameroon since and Rwanda since then and done a, been able to travel it, across a couple of countries. I wish it was all 54, but I'm working through the list. So. Um, I guess I, my passion for African basketball came from my first club championship experience in 2012 in Mozambique. I got to see the big powerhouses in Angola, Lobolo, Augusto and Petro. Let's just say the scoreline wasn't very, uh, very good or flattering towards us, but having that opportunity to um, see those club teams and I'm super competitive and I love an underdog and I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to come back here and I'm going to challenge these teams. I'm going to take clubs from all over Africa, work with national teams because there's so much talent. There's so much potential. Realistically, what coach wouldn't want to be part of it? Yeah. 
That's great. Before we even get to basketball, because when I was looking up, you played netball. I am an ex-netball player myself. And people that uh, don't know netball or hear about netball, they think netball is not a sport. But most of the time, netball players transition to playing basketball like you and I. So tell me a little bit about netball so we can connect on that netball tip real quick. Oh, definitely. Um, netball was, I loved netball. Like, and my pathway was like, I want to play for Australia in netball. And um, and then I found basketball. So, <laughs> yeah. but netball, what I love about netball is um, it's very specific skill wise. And you can be an excellent shooter, an excellent defender, mid court. Watching Australia versus New Zealand. And back in the day, South Africa used to be really good. Um, watching those high-level netball games, how does anybody not think that's a sport? Netball players have superior passing skills than basketball players. They have better anticipation skills and their shooting accuracy is a lot better than basketball players. But that's because that's the goal attack and goal shooter's specific job. So I completely am with you on this. Netball is a beautiful game, especially at the top level. I'm glad you said that because I still fight for netball players, although I'm I'm a true basketball player myself now. But <laughs> so 100%. since you're a female coach who does most of her work on the continent of Africa, um, do you get a lot of pushback with regards to being a female coaching a male-dominated sport in Africa? I would say yes. Um, usually I'm the only female in the room. Um, and that would even be at a women's tournament, which is even more sad to a degree that there's not more women involved on that side. Um, but I have been really lucky with the teams I've worked with. I was embraced in Zambia. I was embraced in Cameroon, same in Rwanda, even when I went down to South Africa and Namibia and did some guest coaching there. So a lot of people just assume, oh, because it's Africa, African men won't want to listen to you because you're a woman. But I've actually found I have been embraced more in Africa than I have ever would have been in Australia. Um, and I actually find it's more the opposition uh, and say, say I'm traveling, let's say to Tunisia, it's more their federation or their teams who have an issue with me. They're like, what's your water doing on the court? Because they can't fathom the idea of a female coach working with men. So um, I think it's it has been difficult at times. I don't want to shy away from that fact. Uh, it's been challenging, but I want to be a role model. And I take responsibility in breaking down barriers and proving that it can be done. And I would love to see more African women working with men's teams. There are, there are other female African coach, coaches who are doing that. And I would like to shine a spotlight on them and encourage more African girls and young women to think about coaching as an option, especially if your playing career is done. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned such a great point about breaking barriers. There's, especially in a sport like basketball, there's so many barriers to break, not only as a woman, but with some women that I know that coach basketball in Africa, being a black woman at that, that's hard. So I can only imagine the challenges that you may face and the pushback, hence I asked that question. But um, what drew you specifically to coaching men um, as opposed to women? That's probably some of the questions or a question that you have gotten along the way. 
Oh, yes, I get that quite a lot, even to this day. And I am not opposed to coaching girls or women. I actually have in the past. Um, I think what I enjoy more about the men's game is specifically in Africa, and no disrespect to the women's basketball players in Africa, the standard of the game is a lot better for the men. Um, and I enjoy uh, working with men's teams because I'm able to, you know, write plays, provide analytics, scout for these guys because they're at that level where they can. And I also feel that I can bring more spotlight to female coaches in that environment because it's such a shock for people to see me walk in with a men's team as opposed to if I came in with a women's team. At the, at, my, at the point in my career right now, I want to be working with men's teams. I want to coach in an Afro basket. I want to go to a World Cup and I want to break barriers doing that. Um, that's not to say in five, 10 years time, I'm not going to come back and work with women's teams and do the same thing. So um, I'm definitely not opposed to that idea. Um, and and it take, it's different coaches, uh, different coaching for women and men. And right now where I'm at, I, do, I just prefer to work with men's teams. Awesome. Good. Love to hear that. We need more women in telling those men what to do. <laughs> exactly. Well, I, I also think realistically, if young girls young boys see women working with men there should be no reason why they feel that they can't be coached by a woman that you know if ben can coach san antonio what excuse does everybody else have i agree totally <laughs> music you know female dj or when i'm teaching music business they're so used to seeing a white man in his 40s and then they see me they're like a bit confused and then they realize oh okay you actually know your stuff i'm like come on now <laughs> you know music is not subjective to your gender you can be a boffin in you know in the sciences in the music in the sport realm you know and again people like us will change the narrative we can coach we can guide in all different areas so it is very positive for men to see people like us leading men too a hundred percent. Yeah, I agree. What has it been like? I mean, you you've really coached everywhere in Africa and in diff on different levels. And most recently, you were with uh, Rwanda, the team in Rwanda. We had uh, uh, Pegif here on, and he was telling us all sorts of stories about his, um, you know, little stitch in Rwanda. Can you let us know a little bit about? how that was coaching in a BAL qualifier, um, you know, knowing that what's going to happen with the BAL and who the BAL are pretty much. I was really excited to go to Rwanda to work with Patriots. I had heard a lot of great things about Rwanda, Kigali as a city um, and as a country. So I was excited to get in there and start working. The Rwandan players were Above, went above and beyond all my expectations. They're, they're very professional and they, they work hard and they want to, want to just absorb everything that you can give them. So it was a pleasure working with the Rwandan players. Um, George from the US came in as well. Kenny Kasana, who is just an absolute pro. It, I, I was really lucky to be able to work with the caliber of players that were in that team. And the Rwandan Federation did a great job of really promoting the qualifiers. It was so, it was probably the best FIBA Africa run event I've ever been part of. 
because qualifiers was under FIBA, it must be said. And so it, it was exciting to be there. It was exciting to go undefeated and win the title with that team. Um, I was very proud to work with them. And the whole buzz around BAL in Rwanda is, it's really up there, way more than I see in other African countries. And I think even also watching GNBC upset Maputo and then City Oilers not making it, KPA arriving late. It was, it was very, it was all drama. <laughs> so it was probably the harder conference and it was exciting to see the three teams come through knowing that the some of the other clubs like you know Petro, Sully, uh, USM, it was it was going to be exciting to join those big teams as well. Yeah, I mean, uh, just a couple more questions before I hand it over to Colin. We know that the qualifiers are coming up, and on the podcast we were just talking about how this is the the 2021 or 2020-2021 FIBA qualifiers, that is. And so, yeah, yeah, AfroBasket. And we've been talking about it for the past couple of months, um, mentioning how it's super close to the possibility of the BAL starting. And um, now you have the qualifiers coming up and then you have the Olympics coming up. What do you know about everything that's happening with regards to qualifiers and the BAL commencing. And then let's not forget that we're going to be having the Olympics next year. Great question. So we're in less than a week, actually, yeah, just under a week, we're going to see the last pre-qualification games for AfroBasket, which will see South Sudan, Chad and Cape Verde tussle it out for the final um, spot in AfroBasket qualifiers. So that's next week. Then come the end of November, we're going to see four groups participating in the first round of AfroBasket qualifiers. One group already participated in February. And so end of November, that will happen. And then what I'm hearing is BAL will be from the 5th to the 20th of December in Rwanda. And Rwanda is also hosting some of those AfroBasket qualifiers. So you're going to see a lot of um, players who are participating with their national team turn around a week later and be playing in the BAL tournament. And then come January next year, I'm guessing we're going to have to start the 2021 qualifiers because we've got to get uh, six teams from the qualification rounds. And then February, we have the second round of AfroBasket qualifiers and we'll see the top three teams in those five groups advance to AfroBasket, which will be in August and September in Rwanda. So Rwanda's hosting everything, basically. And then we have to backtrack because in August, July, August, we'll have the Olympics. Now, on top of all that, we need we don't know when the 2021 BAL season will be. Hopefully, it's going to be the three-month league that we all want rather than a two-week tournament. And then add the Olympics in there as well. Uh, and then on top of that, NBA basketball comes in in February. So that's going to significantly impact national teams and their ability to field their best players, which is going to be unfortunate. And it's probably even going to impact on AfroBasket in Rwanda next year, which is really disappointing because there's so many great African players playing in the NBA that that AfroBasket was probably going to be the most competitive one in the history of the, the competition. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a it looks like a hectic schedule um, 
coming up. So I don't even know how these players are going to manage it. But lastly, what is you've you've seen you've traveled around the continent, and I have my own issues with FIBA to be honest with you. But having seen what's happened in the different areas that you've coached, how how do I say this? How is FIBA handling federations in different continent in different countries? Because I know with South Africa, as you may know, we have a really interesting uh, federation. And we've got players there. However, I don't see any involvement with FIBA. And I've spoken to some people from different countries on the continent, and they experience the same thing where FIBA is not really involved. But then you see them in Sale, where there's issues there with their federation, but they really need deep in helping Sale and their federation and their teams play. From your opinion, in your opinion, what is FIBA doing to assist the federations as they're supposed to? Yo, you mentioned South Africa, and uh, I, I'm just so disappointed with what's going on there because this South Africa used to be a powerhouse in the early '90s, up there challenging Angola in Zone Six, um, and having worked in Zambia where I often feel if it's not a big country or they're not winning tournaments, they get completely overlooked. Like there was, for me, there was no feel of FIBA Africa on the ground there at all. Um, whereas then you go to, like you mentioned, you go to somewhere like Morocco where they're completely throwing all the support they can in terms of trying to figure out the situation with the federation there. Same thing, they sent delegations into Nigeria and they were obviously everywhere during BAL qualifiers. So their mandate, it should be that they are providing the same support regardless of how big or small the country is, where they are in the basketball development phase. If anything, the countries that need more help, such as South Africa, you know, um, your Zambias, your Malawis, these countries need as much support as a Nigeria or a Morocco. And that's something that really needs to be addressed. And maybe from above, from FIBA, uh, mandating it to FIBA Africa. Um, but I'm definitely with you in saying that it's disappointing that FIBA Africa and to a degree FIBA hasn't stepped in more with the situation in South Africa. Yeah, I see them running away a lot. When we were in Chicago, the president of FIBA was there and he was able to dodge every question possible with regards to what FIBA is actually doing for the Federation, which is quite disappointing. But thank you, Colin, up to you. Yeah, thanks, Ntabi. To be honest, I've got my uh, my thoughts about FIBA, but um, I don't think they're age appropriate. So I'll... Um, <laughs> I'll keep that to myself for now because even in Nigeria you're talking about that they came I think they only came and complicated things a lot more and you find that you know nothing is too straightforward what two years after the whole crisis started so let's let's leave you up for now anyway Coach Liz great to have you here and um, looks like Thabi has put you through the grill a little bit so I'll try and be a bit more um, considerate and lightweight so um, first question what would you say has been your biggest achievement, you know, uh, while coaching basketball, especially in Africa, at the same time, you know, what's been your greatest challenge coaching both in Africa and coaching men? 
I think um, my my greatest achievement in coaching would have been in Zambia. Um, the first season I was there, I worked with Heroes Play United. They had they had a long history of being one of the best teams in Zambia, but had kind of fallen by the wayside in the last eight years. And they, I worked with them for the season, and we ended up scraping into the playoffs in the fourth. Everybody was laughing. Oh, Heroes is in the playoffs after eight years of nothing, and oh, they'll get knocked out because they're playing the league champions. And uh, what really I loved about this team is the absolute belief that we could do anything, and these players would do go above and beyond for me and I would go above and beyond for them. So we ended up in the semi-finals by scraping through on a one-point differential in a three-game series. And then in the finals, we played the champions of the previous season, a huge team. Everybody was like, oh, they're going to wipe the floor with heroes. I might not even go and watch the game. And so we ended up beating them 2-1 in the finals. and. It was just an amazing experience to be part of that journey and being the underdog and proving people wrong. And it also gave that team the opportunity to go and represent Zambia uh, in the Zone 6 Club Championships. And if I hadn't been that team, I would never have gone to you know a, zo a zonal tournament and seen other teams. And, and so I thank them for allowing me to be part of their journey. And since then, you know, gone on to other teams and, and had great experiences. I think probably the most challenging is being being able to get coaching jobs in Africa. It, it's a uh, it's I feel that for men, they can just put a CV down and be like, boom, this is what I bring to the table. Whereas I've spent almost ten years on the continent, worked with some of the best players and some of the best up and coming teams. And I've constantly got to reinvent myself and prove myself. Um, in 2017, I worked with the Zambian men's national team for zone six Afro basket qualifiers, and we failed to qualify. It's a bit hard when you've got Angola and Mozambique. I'm sure the South Africans can appreciate that. And so I was, I was devastated because I I put everything into that team. That team worked so hard and we fell short of our goal. Um, and I had to come home and be like, okay, what else can I do? And that's when I started with the data analytics. I start, started with film breakdown, adding even more skills to my, to my resume. I've got a sports science degree and a sports management degree. I have a master's in coaching. I've been a personal trainer and strength and conditioning coach. And so, like, how much more qualifications do I need to be able to prove the yeah, value that I bring? Yes. So, um, it's that challenge of constantly having to prove myself when realistically, what else do I have to prove? Hmm. Okay, good. And um, that's, that's, that's very key because I think <clears throat> almost every time it seems women have to scale an extra bar or two, you know, just to get the same jobs that a man will probably walk into. So I think it's very important for us to highlight this, you know, because whether it comes, if it's in terms of the qualifications, you've got them in terms of the playing um, uh, playing experience, you've got it. The coaching experience, you've also got it. And I think that it's something that, you know, people need to understand that you don't need to set an extra bar, you know, for a woman to qualify. You know, you just need to make, um, you know, level the playing field, you know, so to speak. And speaking of which, 
Ntabi did ask you a question about um, why you prefer, you chose to coach men's team. And just to clear, I sent I sent a message in. It had nothing to do with the muscles, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh look, I most of the time I'm. Let's be honest. For most of the teams, I'm bigger than most of my players. So <laughs> like, Southern Africans are not exactly tall, and neither are East Africans. So no, it has nothing to do with that. <laughs> Probably okay, why I it. haven't worked with the Senegalese. Let's be honest; I'd feel too small. They're <laughs> quite tall. So, which, which is which, allows me to segue into um, the rest of the questions. Are going to be very pretty harmless, but this one is going to be um, a bit more. It's be comfortable now. Hanging around this many, um, you know, hunks, so to speak. You know, you know. I mean, Tabi sees them and drools all over them. So does um, Benny and. Um, and uh dj aries why are you doing this <laughs> just say you know so hanging around this many hunks you know have you ever experienced anything inappropriate you know and how do you deal with it if you have and then also how does your boyfriend cope with that <laughs> so i wear a fake wedding ring so not that stops anybody <laughs> oh, that's a good one. <laughs> but no oh look um, I'd be lying if I said people didn't try, but once they really see me in a professional environment, they it's kind of like any basketball situation. It's We get to training and it's all we're thinking about is basketball, or I'm at, an, at a tournament and all we're thinking about basketball. Um, and I've learned from previous experience um, outside of those events, like being at a game or at training, I try not to spend too much time out and about with players and try and keep it always as professional as possible. Um, you know, when I was younger, I, I kind of wanted to be friends with players because I was pretty much the same age, if not younger than the players I was coaching. But now that, you know, a lot more experience and older, don't make those same mistakes and pretty much keep it as professional as possible. And But, you know, still try to get to know my players and understand that, what motivates them. But there'll always be that kind of barrier so that, you know, people are very aware of what's acceptable and what's not. Mm -hmm. Oh, great. And then now I'm going to ask you this because this is, um, I find this very upsetting that you have never tried to coach in Nigeria. Well, not that you have never, why have you never tried to coach in Nigeria? Women get a lot of opportunities in Nigeria. Look, you were talking about it just now that, you know, you've been welcomed more in Africa than you would be in, um, in, in Australia or elsewhere. And I can tell you, you know, in Nigeria, women get a lot of opportunities. I mean, just uh, England a few years ago, we're celebrating having a woman assistant referee in football in the Premier League, assistant referee on the sideline, not even at the centre. Morocco last week, we're doing the same thing. Oh, it was a big deal. A woman was at the centre refereeing. It's been happening in Nigeria for years. Our biggest domestic cup game you know, the FA Cup final has been run by women like three or four times, you know. So why have you not come to Nigeria? I've tried. I honestly have. <laughs> but getting into Nigeria is really difficult for Australians. So I actually wanted to go for one of the um, World Cup qualification rounds. So it was between going to Nigeria and going to Tunisia because I was actually going to um network and try and get a job for the second round of qualifiers and that's how i ended up working with cameroon because i had actually targeted nigeria to work with english-speaking country so and obviously obviously one of the best um african teams as well so it would make sense to want to work with them but um the visa requirements i couldn't get in so it's not from lack of trying um, and that's because our visa requirements are harsh. 
And so you've done the same thing to us, which I think is fair. Um, but please don't think I would love to come to Nigeria. I would love to do some work there. So hopefully in the future. I know, Colin, you can get that done, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah, we, sh we, we should do something about getting it done. Uh, yeah, and I can understand the visa reciprocity thing. It's, um, it's a thing with diplomatic um, folks. You know, if your visa is this, uh, then this, you know, um, counters it. So, yeah, that's the so here's my last um, question. Uh, and then I'll throw you over back to Ntabi and um, DJ Aries. Now, you've probably set a target for yourself, you know, going forward. So what are your biggest coaching ambitions? You know, like if you had a dream, job that you would jump at in a heartbeat which would it be okay well i would definitely love to be coaching in the basketball africa league come december and i probably will as you know so stay tuned for that and then i one of my goals ever since 2012 when i went to mozambique for that club championships was i want to coach a national team at afro basket um I would love to go back to head coaching. It's obviously my preferred position, but I don't think African national teams are ready to do that. So I'll sit back in my assistant coaching role for the time being. Um, so Rwanda next year is definitely a target. And then the ultimate would be to coach at a FIBA World Cup. I say that over the Olympics because I think FIBA World Cup is better dedication to basketball, more teams, more countries. And I would like to take an African team and work with them in a FIBA World Cup. So those are some of the goals over the next four years. Oh, okay, great. And good luck on your BALM experience. You know, you've just got a new job. So uh, I'll hand you back to Ntabi for more grilling. Thanks, Colin. <laughs> well, the, the, I just wanted to go back a little bit, take a step back with just the challenges of being a woman and being accepted um, you know, you spoke about the qualifications you have and how often you have to upskill yourself um, to be recognized, which is something that we see across all platforms, not just in basketball. And you would think that in 2020, people will would have caught on and uh, women would have a lot more opportunities without having to do more than what men ha would have to do. And the notion I feel is that People think that women want to be above men, but women just want to be seen as equal, right? Especially in not, and we're not talking about domestic equal or whatever the case is, because people have their own preferences. We're just, just talking about a job. So if you have the best qualifications, why can I not ask uh, coach Liz to be a head coach? Why do you have to take a seat and be an assistant coach? How do you, you know, how do you as Coach Liz, um, what do you want to say to people to change that narrative to just really put yourself out there and say, look, I have the skills, I have the qualifications, goodness, you have, um, you have the experience. What is the stumbling block that is not making you get to the place where you are a head coach and you are recognized as a head coach and not just an assistant? Well, it's even more frustrating because from 2011 to 2017, I was the head coach and I had won championships. I worked with national teams um, at the university level. And then suddenly 2017, I have to be an assistant coach to a head coach that I had previously beaten in every domestic tournament. But he was of that nationality, so they went with him. 
So what I'm asking federations is if to ignore the name on the CV, ignore the gender of the CV and have a look at the qualifications, have a look at the experience and make your decision from there. Gender shouldn't have any consideration in your decision. Sure, if the other coach has more experience and more knowledge and is better than me, I am more than happy to be an assistant coach to that person because then I can learn from them. And that person might be another female. You just don't know. I think um, club managers, federations, whoever is in charge of making coaching decisions, see past the gender, see past the name and just judge and make your decision based on who is the best person for the job. That's great. And so um, talking about the BAL, um, you know, there's been less talk uh, in front of media, but more behind the scenes and things like that. What should we be expecting from the BAL? Um, that's, you know, the dates that you've mentioned. Um, what should we be expecting from them? Well, hopefully those dates get confirmed later this week. Uh, the decision is going to be made whether to run or run it or not uh, for this year. Um, if it is going ahead in December, I think it's going to be really exciting because I already see pretty much 10 of the 12 teams are already in training and, and getting ready. Um, we're also going to have the benefit of, you know, national teams working out for qualifiers in November. So that's going to benefit clubs as well who have national team players. So it's definitely the level of excitement is building amongst the clubs. And once we get a confirmation that it's actually going ahead, I think you'll see an explosion of media and hype around it. So that's what I'm, I'm hoping. And, you know, with your show, um, players and coaches, other media channels, we'll, we'll all start pushing hard and creating hype around the event. Um, I think it's it's going to be great to see some of the really big teams like Petro, USM, Zamalek, Sully. I'm interested to see who they've got on their roster, who their imports are going to be, um, whether they're going to live up to the expectations as the big teams in the tournament, or are we going to get some surprises from teams like FAP, Patriots, even Maputo, River Hoopers might come in and surprise some people. GNBC were already the Cinderella of qualifiers. So I think, you know, rosters, coach, new coaches in there. Um, it's going to be an exciting tournament, really competitive. And I've even, I even know from, you know, domestic leagues like Rwanda is just running their playoffs, um, Tanzania running their league games in order to get champions to go to qualifiers next year. So there's already a hype starting for next year's league. And I think if we can build on that, um, it's going to be an exciting venture over the next five, 10 years. Last question. If Benny was here, this is something that she would ask you. What excites you about Africa and what excites you about the BAL in particular? Uh, I think the BAL is going to be awesome in terms of showing other sports what they can do if they build continental leagues. It's going to improve the level of coaching, the level of play, improve individual players, especially the domestic-based players, and it will imp improve administration of the game across the continent. The entire basketball ecosystem is going to be improved. 
I think that's probably fundamentally the most exciting thing because everybody here understands that administration is the first challenge we face in developing the game in Africa. So if we can clean that up and make that more transparent and more accountable, first hurdle we've already gone over. And then if we can improve the level of coaching, which this is going to force coaches to improve because this will be the first professional basketball league in Africa, whether that's returning African coaches or foreign coaches, they're going to have to continue to get better and upskill and that's going to have an impact on their teams. And as I mentioned previously, domestic leagues are also going to improve because everyone, everybody wants to be part of BAL. And then outside of basketball, if I'm football, if I'm netball, if I'm rugby, okay, well, basketball's taking a chunk and the exposure that they're getting, we have to follow that as well. So it's going to trickle all the way through African sport. And maybe even as a byproduct, we'll see businesses that are invested in basketball, them also clean up their activities. So realistically, it's like a tidal wave of positive change coming across the continent. I really can't wait to see what happens with this because when they first announced it and when we were in Chicago, we were all very excited for March. People had, you know, I mean, uh, uh, what's his name? Mohammed was telling us that you guys were ready to go and then all of a sudden COVID happened, which was super unfortunate. But I'm super excited to see what's going to happen there. And now we're going to pass it over to DJ Aries for some entertainment news. Hi everyone, welcome to BAL Podcast. So some music news for you. I've been channeling different sounds. I mean, now in the music industry, not much is going on either. Us DJs can't play out. So I have to do like virtual events or me, myself, I have my own radio show on Block London. Um, I had an amazing producer DJ on my show as a guest. His name's Hagen from Ghana, Ghana, UK producer. Oh my God, the show is absolutely amazing. I'm going to send you guys a link. It was kind of like Afro-fused, Afro-bass with a bit of funky and, you know, traditional drumming styles. Hagen is just a mad talent. And he's recently recently released um, a new EP called Waves. And he's also worked with an American producer called Sango, who's quite massive in it sort of massive in the US. He's worked with Bryson Tiller and all those kind of artists. And again, amazing, just electronic. It's just different types of African music. African electronic music, that's what it is. It's, you know, out of the box, bit wacky here and there, but it's just amazing. Um, so look out for Waves by Hagen. And again, with Sango touching on him, he released a new album called Darochina four so he's done Darochino three times already so this is his like fifth album but Darochino number four um it's a 16 track album again he touches into brazilian afro funk bell funk electronica sounds again out of the box kind of sounds and i've just been playing that on replay the whole week so again great artist to look into and and a guy called zinger so all thanks to intabi pointing me the direction and it's this track called Dala oh my god it's beautiful absolutely beautiful from SA as usual SA music is just always on top anyway like you can't compete with that um so yeah look out for Zinger amazing stuff so I'll say give you five top artists to look out for there's Zinger um a girl called Thames she's from Nigeria new wave Nigerian soul artist amazing Joe Boy also from Nigeria 
um, Amore. She's from Ghana. Amazing talent. Crazy. She's got a very high-pitched voice, but her songs are just on the next level. And then Yakpo, again, from Ghana as well. So, yeah, delve in. We'll, I'll keep on updating the BAL podcast um, playlist for you and you hear these new tunes. Keep in tune, guys. Thank you. And back to Intabi. Thank you, DJ Aries, for all that news. Um, yes, once again, I want to thank you, Coach Liz, for hopping on to the BAL podcast. We're so excited to, to hear that there's some kind of movement happening with the BAL, you know. There's been a bit of touch and go. So, you know, it's, it's, I'm glad to hear that there might be a possibility that we'll see it running in December. Coach Liz, DJ Aries, Colin, Benny, we will see you next time on the BAL podcast.